Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 9, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody had a great Great week five. What a week five it was, by the way. So many good games, so many interesting storylines. I think that we learned a ton last week from college football. The good, the bad, the ugly. We know Alabama and Georgia are awesome. We know Michigan might be on the rise. AM is falling fast. Lot learned this past week. And I should mention, by the way, uh, if you just want more of the traditional college football uh, analysis, Make sure you're checking out the Aaron Torres podcast as well. Episodes drop Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But week six, looking ahead to week six, I'll tell you this. It is not often that we get a marquee weekend like the one that we had this past weekend. Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, uh, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. And then we get another marquee weekend after that. Only that is exactly what we have today, exactly what we have this week heading into week six. As so many big games on the slate this weekend, we have obviously top five matchup Penn State, Iowa. We have Texas, Oklahoma, Red River shootout. Yes, we still call it the shootout here on college football betting with Aaron Torres, Bama AM. Auburn, Georgia, Nebraska, Michigan, a lot of great games, and we're going to le- learn even more about these teams today. Quick reminder before we get started, uh, college football betting with Aaron Torres, as well as Aaron Torres Media is, again, I told you last episode, it is now part, we have now partnered with DraftKings, really fired up. Uh, the week four giveaway is basically over for week four in pro football, so I will have a new giveaway, a new way to get involved with DraftKings for you on the next episode, but if you're interested in seeing what we are doing with DraftKings, you're always welcome to check out my Twitter feed, at Aaron underscore Torres. The pin tweet always references the latest deal that DraftKings has. Let's get into it. Week six, college football betting, Aaron Torres, and as I said, Not often we get a weekend like we had last weekend, and then it might even be better this weekend. And this weekend is headlined by a game that nobody could have seen coming as potentially having national championship or at the very least playoff implications, okay? I think we all know it's Bama, Georgia are probably going to be playing that title game in Indianapolis. But I bring it up to say, I don't know how many people thought Penn State at Iowa might be a major game in terms of the college football playoff picture. Only here we are. The two teams meet up as top five teams. Incredible stat via the Bear, uh, Chris Felica. 
from ESPN who said this is the first time since 1962, 1962, that we have a top five matchup in the Big Ten that does not feature Ohio State or Michigan, okay? Not sure how many of you guys were around for Minnesota-Wisconsin top five in 1962, but it shows you how big this game is. And ultimately what this game is going to come down to is exactly what I told you Iowa games come down to in the Maryland game. Now, I misread Maryland's ability to take care of the football last week, but what I did tell you was, I said, look, the way that Iowa beats you is that Iowa turns you over at an insane clip, and if you can take care of the football, you are going to have a chance against them because they are not a very explosive offense. They rely on turnovers and short fields. Two weeks ago against Colorado State, Iowa only forced one turnover, and it was 17, what was it, 21-17 going, 21-14 going into the fourth quarter. Last, this past Friday against Maryland, I said if Maryland takes care of the football, they'll be fine. Instead, seven turnovers, Iowa puts up 51 points and they win, but you know, how many of those points were directly off of turnovers? Iowa had three scoring drives of under 30 yards, and so that is the key in this game. The question, of course, is just going to be whether Penn State actually can take care of the football or not. To Iowa's credit, they, are, they have an insane 12 interceptions so far this year. That is by far the most in college football. They are forcing over two and a half turnovers per game and are plus 12 in total turnovers this year. It just shows you how incredible they are at what they do. And if you're going to bet this game one side or the other, specifically if you're going to take the underdog, and I should have mentioned Penn State is a three-point underdog going into this game. Iowa is a two is now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Excuse me. Penn State was a three-point favorite coming into this one. It is now down to two-and-a-half. But I bring it up. If you are betting Penn State, you have to believe that James Franklin, Penn State, will take care of the football. That is the most important. If I give you one piece of advice this week, that is it. If you bet Penn State, you better go in believing that they will take care of the football. And if you do believe that will happen, then there's probably a very good chance that they can win this game. The good news for you, by the way, is that Penn State actually has done a very good job taking care of the football this year. Only three total turnovers in five games. All three are Sean Clifford interceptions. It is worth noting he has had one in each of the last three games, so you could say that's problematic. You could also say that's part of playing really good competition in league play. They also played Auburn over that stretch, who we know is a darn good football team as well. So as far as Penn State is concerned, as far as this game is concerned, that's what you need to know. Do you believe that Penn State will take care of the football? And if you do, I think they got a great chance to win. Worth noting, uh, speaking of taking care of the football, speaking of those interceptions from Sean Clifford, I should reference as it pertains to Penn State, I think Sean Clifford's been awesome. I don't think he's a Heisman candidate. I don't think we're talking about him as one of the elite players in college football, but all his numbers are up across the board. 67% completion percentage, 11 touchdowns, just those three interceptions. He had nine in seven games last year. So Sean Clifford, I believe, is ahead of schedule. Penn State, to its credit, is running the ball really well as well. And then most importantly, they play real defense, and we knew that they would, uh, but again, relative to the competition, it has not been easy, and I do think as far as Penn State's concerned, what we do have to take with a grain of salt, their offensive statistics don't look incredible. 
they played some great defenses. Wisconsin, as critical as I've been of, of Graham Mertz, uh, and I don't think the Michigan game was Graham Mertz's fault. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but they play real defense. Auburn obviously plays real defense. So don't get caught up in my opinion. And again, one thing about this show, I never push picks on you. But in my opinion, don't get caught up too much on the Penn State offensive stats. What you need to focus on, do you think they're going to take care of the football? Because nobody forces more turnovers than uh, Iowa does. This game is, of course, at Kinnick. It will be a 4 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. So we'll get a little bit of a kind of a morning in or an afternoon into night. And, of course, we'll get that uh, Hawkeye wave, Iowa wave to the Children's Hospital, which will be awesome. But this should be a great one. Um, you know, I don't want to talk too much about non-betting stuff, but I'll tell you, I do love the fact that it, there's some non-traditional teams emerging. We'll still see. Ohio State may still be the best team in the Big Ten when it's all said and done, but this should be a fun one. Speaking of fun ones, Red River Shootout. And like I said, we call it the Red River Shootout here on the Aaron Torres or on College Football Betting with Aaron Torres as well as the Aaron Torres podcast. It's what we do. Uh, there's no political correctness. I grew up with the Red River shootout. I grew up with Roy Williams jumping over the line of scrimmage, batting the ball out of the hands of Chris Sims' arm. So I love this game. I've always loved this game. I've never had the chance to go. Cannot wait for the opportunity to do that at some point in my life. But this is a real interesting one because, look, I've talked a ton about Oklahoma both on this podcast and the Aaron Torres podcast, but you know, they have been, they were sold to us as a national championship type team coming into the season, not get to the playoff, actually win games there, win the two games needed to win a national championship. And to their credit, they are five and oh, but to their discredit, as I've talked about many times, they haven't went one convincingly at all. They played five games total, four against F. FBS opponents, so they played one FCS game against Western Carolina in the four games against FBS opponents. Uh, all of the wins, and they have they're they're five and zero. Listen, Clemson would love to be five and zero right now. Ohio State would love to be five and zero right now. To Oklahoma's credit, they are, but at the same time, those four wins against FBS teams have all come by a single possession. They had a five-point win over Tulane, a seven-point win over Nebraska, a three-point win over West Virginia, a six-point win, excuse me, over Kansas State. So they have played close competitive games, and these this was the easy part of the schedule. This was the part that they were supposed to assert themselves as the best team in college football the way that Georgia and Alabama have early. The good news, however, if you're Oklahoma, for the first time this season, you actually had an offense on last Saturday against Kansas State that looked national championship caliber. Now, the problem was the defense wasn't nearly as good, which we'll get into in a minute. But offensively, you did what you needed to do. Spencer Rattler, by far the best game he has played as an Oklahoma quarterback, 22 of 25, 243 yards passing, two touchdowns. For all the flack Spencer Rattler gets, by the way, he's completing 76% of his passes. And for the first time all season, the run game looked the part. 131 yards rushing, four yards per carry, which doesn't sound like a lot until you remember that Oklahoma, uh, or that Kansas State came into this game as a 10-point favorite. By the way, I'm doing a terrible job. I don't know if I mentioned it, but Oklahoma opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It is now down to three, over under 63-and-a-half, which brings us to Texas. And I think there's good reason why the money is coming in on Texas. Credit to Steve Sarkeesian. They have done a great job of rebounding after that loss to Arkansas. First of all, the big news, obviously, they made the quarterback change. Hudson Card is out. Casey Thompson is in. To his credit, Casey Thompson has been awesome. Uh, Texas has won two Big 12 games so far this season. In those two Big 12 games, 
Casey, Casey Thompson has thrown six touchdowns and two interceptions, so he is moving the ball well. And then I think the other thing to know about Texas, and I talk about it all the time, with these high-powered offenses, we think Lincoln Riley, Lane Kiffin, we think pass, pass, pass 70 times a game like it's Mike Leach. No, Texas runs the football really well, number five in the country in rushing yardage, um, and Bijan Robinson is the number two rusher in all of college football. So they're moving the ball. They're having success. They've made the, the, the quarterback change. Excuse me, I'm tripping over my words. But I also will say this. We're going to learn a lot about that defense this week. That defense got gashed by Arkansas, and we are going to see if they are any better. Uh, currently, they rank 92nd in rush defense. They're giving up close to five yards per rush uh, on the entire season. And you can't just say that it was only an Arkansas thing because they gave up almost five yards per carry against Texas, the Texas, TCU, excuse me, this past week as well. It's improving, it's getting better, but it needs to be great if you want to upset Oklahoma. For Oklahoma, it's the same. The rush offense struggled early, it looked much better, and so to me, I actually think that's going to be the key of the game. We think Lincoln Riley, we think Steve Sarkeesian, we think quarterbacks, we think passing. Who has more success running the football? Specifically, can Texas stop the run against maybe uh, you know the most potent offense that they will see all year final one you know the sec look the sec has a loaded slate this weekend i want to get to one more non-sec game then we'll get to the sec games after a break but you talk about a game that all of a sudden is fascinating to me you talk about fascinating michigan jim harbaugh five and oh going on the road to face all of a sudden a very interesting nebraska team michigan a three-point favorite over under set at 52 couple thoughts here first if you listen to Monday's Aaron Torres pod you know where I stand on Michigan I'm still not sold on Michigan but what I would also tell you is this couple things stood out about that Wisconsin game one they physically kicked the crap out of Wisconsin okay and you can sit here and tell me Wisconsin isn't good they stink they this they that and they do they're not good but Wisconsin's played two pretty good teams so far Penn State top five team in the country favor or you know slight underdog on the road at Iowa this weekend on top of that, they played Notre Dame on a neutral field. This is Wisconsin now. Nobody physically kicked the crap out of Wisconsin the way that Michigan did, and defense, physicality, toughness is something that travels everywhere. Seven tackles for loss, six sacks against Wisconsin. I've been critical of Graham Mertz, the quarterback at Wisconsin. That poor kid had no chance against Michigan, and so that is something that intrigues me. The other thing, I think we got to give Jim Harbaugh a little credit, and let me explain why. This is a guy that has been so stubborn through the years about what he's willing to do, what he's not willing to do, how he wants to play. And if you listen to this show last Thursday, I said, look, I can't bet Michigan against Wisconsin because I don't believe that Jim Harbaugh is truly committed to passing the football and you're not going to beat Wisconsin if you're not passing the football, if you're trying to run the ball 50 times a game and pass it 8, 9, 10 times. Coming into the game last week against Wisconsin, they were averaging about 14 passes per game. As I said, that was the fourth fewest in college football. The only teams that, that passed the ball less than Michigan, Army, Navy, Air Force. So why do I bring it up? It is because in the game against Wisconsin, Michigan threw the ball 30 times. The only way you are going to win real games against real Big Ten teams, you have to be balanced. And for at least one game on the road, credit Jim Harbaugh because he was willing to open up the offense. The question becomes against a much more dynamic offense in Nebraska, will he be willing to do the same again in Lincoln? Uh, it's worth noting with Nebraska, listen man, 
We buried them to start the season, myself included. If you listen to my other podcast, if you listen to this one, I said, they're not good. I don't trust them. I don't trust Adrian Martinez. They've been really good the last three or four weeks, okay? They, they, they easily could have beaten Oklahoma. We just talked about that. Seven-point loss. We know about the special teams gaffes. Uh, Michigan State, they should have beaten Michigan State. Michigan State is now undefeated through five games, ranked in the top 15, and their toughest game by far was Nebraska, a game that Nebraska should have won on the road. Nebraska bounces back in a big way. How about the performance that they had against Northwestern? If you miss this, this is what Nebraska did against Northwestern. I hope you're sitting down. I hope you don't have coffee in your mouth because you're about to spit it out. Against Nebraska, against Northwestern, excuse me, Nebraska had 657 yards of total offense, 427 yards rushing, 8.1 yards per carry in that game. They had four different players rush for at least 50 yards, and so this team all of a sudden is having a ton of success moving the ball. Now, I do believe this Michigan defense will be the best one that they've seen. I do believe the Michigan defense will keep uh, uh, Nebraska off balance. It is worth noting as far as Michigan is concerned. Again, they were able to get a ton of pressure on Wisconsin with that new defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, forced three turnovers. We know Adrian Martinez is turnover prone, but I'll just tell you that three-point spread tells me the odds makers at DraftKings Sportsbook believe this one will be a competitive, competitive, competitive game, and this one's fascinating. All right, this is what I want to do. I want to take a quick, 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 quick break. I want to come back, and I want to talk about a loaded SEC slate, Alabama A&M, Georgia Auburn, on and on and on and on and on. LSU, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Arkansas. We'll be right back. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Very good to be back. Very good to be back because we got a great weekend in college football. Uh, let's get to the rest of the slate, including the SEC, all these big SEC games, excuse me. And I'll tell you, you know, I try to keep it quick on this Monday show. We will do much more in-depth reaction on Thursday. But really, uh, again, just try to keep it quick, uh, quick hitting, flat, you know, fast, all that stuff on this Monday show. And let's start with the big one, A&M hosting Alabama. And it's wild how all this works. For people who do not know, CBS gets the game of the week every single week in the SEC. I think you know that. What you might not know, they get one night game a year. They get to broadcast one game in primetime. And a few weeks ago, they decided Alabama at A&M was the game. Basically, they decided two, three, four weeks ago, they believed that this, this had the chance to be the best SEC game all season long. Ah, uh, yeah. Did not work out very well as Texas A&M has now taken two straight losses. Alabama comes in. It opened at 17. It is now up to 17 and a half at DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under in this one is 51 and a half. And listen, I, I mean, look, I could sit here all day and break down this game and throw a bunch of stats at you. What you just need to know is this. Texas A&M can't throw the football. And when you can't throw the football and you can't be one dimensional and you end up being one dimensional, it makes it really tough to beat good teams, let alone Alabama. But that has been the problem for AM. Uh, in the three games against power five opponents that they've played, Colorado, Arkansas, Mississippi State, their passing has been under 200 yards passing in each of those three games, and it's gone down every single week. 191 yards versus Colorado, 151 versus Arkansas, 135 versus Mississippi State. So if you just take those three games, that's 159 yards per game passing. That would rank them 120th nationally, right behind my alma mater, UConn. UConn is averaging more passing yards per game 
in their five games this season, six games, whatever it is, um, then Texas A&M is against Power 5 opponents. And you could say, well, who has UConn played, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. You're Texas A&M. You're supposed to be better. And I understand Zach Calzada is a backup. Nobody expected him to play. But at the same time, you can't be one-dimensional. And right now, A&M is one-dimensional, and it is costing them, and they are not able to score the football. Uh, you know, you look at what they've done, again, against Power 5 opponents this year. 10 points against Colorado, 10 points against Arkansas, 22 against Mississippi State. But even in that Mississippi State game, under 300 yards of total offense. The good news is the run game did come back a little bit. But again, I just don't think you can be one-dimensional against Alabama if you are Nick Saban will eat you alive. And the scary thing if you're A&M, I thought Alabama played its most complete game, unquestionably, of the week last week. Now, you could argue Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin made some mistakes, shouldn't have gone for it on third down, whatever. Alabama still put them in a lot of third and long situations, short, third and medium, whatever, and they were able to make the stops. And so this was the best defensive performance that they've had. Now they're going on the road against a one-dimensional team. Don't push my picks on you. I do suspect that this could get ugly. Again, it, the, the spread has already gone up a half a point from 17 to 17 and a half. I think it could actually get much, much worse before kickoff. Speaking of worse, speaking of bad, how about everybody Georgia plays? And that's not a knock on Arkansas. That's not a knock on South Carolina Vandy. It is this Georgia defense might be historically great. First of all, they play at Auburn, Deep South's oldest rivalry. We all love it. The spread is 14.5 points. Georgia is favored as a 14.5 point favorite. The over-under is 45. This feels a lot like the Arkansas game where you say that's a lot of points and a small over-under for that many points. The only difference, of course, is this one is on the road for Georgia. But it doesn't change the fact that the, the odds makers love Georgia, and I do too, my preseason national championship pick, I should add. And it's because of the defense. The stats are unbelievable, okay? Georgia leads the nation in total defense, 180 yards per game they're giving up. That is 50 fewer yards per game than any team in FBS football. Iowa State is number two. They give up over 230 yards per game. That just shows you how incredible this Georgia defense is. And then... In terms of scoring offense, in terms of scoring defense, excuse me, the amount they give up to their offense, how about this? They're giving up 4.6 points per game so far this year through almost half their schedule. 4.6 points per game. How is that possible in the SEC? I know they played Vandy. I know they played South Carolina. That is insane, though. The more insane stat is this. Um, they have given up this entire season against Power five teams, okay? So Power five, they played Clemson week one, Vandy, South Carolina, and now Arkansas. They have given up one touchdown to four Power five teams. That touchdown came in the fourth quarter against South Carolina when that game was well out of reach. This defense is, is potentially historic, and the fact that they're a 14.5-point favorite on the road, we don't know the status of the quarterback, I think it says everything. As far as Auburn, I'll be honest. I'm really impressed with this squad. Uh, you know, you could argue that LSU maybe should have won that game. We're going to get to LSU in a minute. I'm just so impressed by Brian Harson. He came in with a plan. I'll give my guys, you know, guys like Cole Kublick, uh, my boy, the J-Boy show from uh, The Volume, Colin Cowherd. Uh, those two guys both told me, or I at least heard them say, I'm friends with both of them. I've had them on my podcast, but I, I've heard both of them say point blank that Brian Harson was going to work at Auburn. He was going to bring an identity. He was going to bring physicality. He was going to bring toughness. He was going to bring mental toughness to this program. And that's exactly what they showed Saturday night in Death Valley against LSU. 
They were down double. They were down two scores going into the fourth quarter. They rallied to win. And while the Bo Nix highlights made all the rounds on Saturday night, it was the run game. It was the run game. They were able to run the ball very successfully against LSU. Now, maybe LSU just stinks. We're going to get to LSU in just like literally 30 seconds from now. But Brian Harson, to his credit, they were able to run the ball for almost six yards per carry against LSU on the road. That travels. I know they're at home, but I think that is an important factor. They're obviously not going to be able to run the ball like that against Georgia. But if you can have any success on the ground, it'll at least make it interesting. Good luck trying to bet this game because Georgia is a monster right now. All right, let's wrap up on a couple other ones. First of all, LSU-Kentucky. I just talked about LSU. Listen, I told you last week going into that Auburn game, it was going to be low scoring, it was going to be close, and there's one simple reason why. LSU can't run the football. LSU cannot run the football. Um, And they are, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, really about as bad as any Power 5 team, I believe, at any one thing, LSU is as bad at that as anybody at anything, okay? There are worse teams. Uh, Vanderbilt is worse. Uh, Colorado is worse. Uh, Whoever, Washington State is worse. I don't know that there's anybody that's worse at one thing than LSU right now. They currently rank 128th in rushing yardage per game this year out of 130 teams, and one of the teams behind them is Mississippi State, who doesn't even try to run the football. And speaking of Mississippi State, I told you last week coming out of that game, I said, look, I watched the whole game. LSU won 28-26, but it was because they got a, a bunch of big plays against that Mississippi State defense, and if you keep them in front of you, they can be beaten. They can be taken down because that is a team that cannot piece together drives. They cannot run the football. So if they don't get the three-play 74-yard drive with a 52-yard touchdown pass, they're not going to be able to beat you. Well, what happened? Auburn did exactly what I said they needed to do. They held Max Johnson to under just under a little over 50% completion percentage, 25 of 46, so that's like 56% or so. And listen to these rushing stats for LSU last week against Auburn. They ran the ball 26 times for 11 yards rushing. They averaged less than half a yard on the ground against Auburn. And so you go into this Kentucky game, they're a three-point underdog. I don't really see how it gets better for LSU. I, I just, you know, I don't root against anybody. I don't hope anybody gets fired, but this isn't going to get fixed for Ed Orgeron. Now, the one good thing they have going for him, Kentucky is obviously coming off the emotional high of beating Florida, and it's also worth noting, Kentucky, you know, we heard a lot about how this offense was going to evolve and go crazy over the course of the offseason. We haven't really seen that, okay? 224 yards against Florida. Will Levis only attempted 17 passes. They had a big run from Wandale Robinson. They had a field goal block return for a score. So Kentucky was able to manufacture points, but it's not as though they're they're throwing for 500 yards per game with this new offense under Liam Cohen. And so, you know, at least LSU, if they play good defense, you'd think they'd be able to stay competitive. But Kentucky runs the ball really well. LSU is not stopping the run. And I'm telling you, LSU cannot run the football to save their lives. Staying in the SEC, Arkansas will miss. Um, you know, listen, I, 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 I'll be real. 
I need more time to figure it out the bat the battered psyche of both of these teams coming into this one okay I know Sam Pittman to his credit he said all the right things in his Monday um, press conference I watched the thing I heard him say you know we're moving forward we're not going to let one loss turn into two I'm not panicking because I believe we have a good football team and Lane Kiffin I have no doubt is saying the same thing at the same time what's going to be interesting who can dictate their will on the other one Arkansas wants to slow the slow things down run the ball take time off the clock Ole Miss obviously wants to go really, really, really fast. One thing that is very important as it pertains to this game, Matt Corral, by far the worst game of his career. Remember, he came into last weekend as the Heisman Trophy favorite. Matt Corral, if you go back to last year in the game at Arkansas, now I know it was a road game, and I know it, was, uh, it wasn't full capacity, but it was still a road game. But at Arkansas, Matt Corral, you talk about a crazy stat line. Two touchdowns, six interceptions for Matt Corral. Barry Odom had his number and Lane Kiffin's number last year. We'll see on the flip side if this year Matt Corral has Barry Odom's number. But that is what's intriguing to me about this game is can Matt Corral take care of the football against a team that had him figured out last year? One last SEC game. Uh, let's get to it. Uh, how about those Tennessee Vols? By the way, I guess there are more than one SEC game left on the schedule. I will not be talking Florida Vandy right now. Sorry, Vandy fans. We're not doing it here. Uh, but uh, the last SEC game I do want to talk about, South Carolina against Tennessee. I'll say this. How about the Vols? Ten-and-a-half point favorite coming in. Why a ten-and-a-half point favorite? Because they put up 62 points, 63 points, whatever it was, against, uh, against Missouri. You know it's bad for the other team, and you know you had a good day. When the day after you beat somebody, a coach gets fired. Feel bad, but Missouri's defensive line coach was fired after this game. After Tennessee put up 683 yards of offense, eight yards per carry for Tennessee, this team started to get a little interesting. I think this is a good spot for them at home. Rocky top, again, 10.5 point favorite. Over under is 53.5. And, and what this really comes down to, uh, you know, what is South Carolina right now? I've said it. I think they play hard under Shane Beamer, but they're just not very good and they can't move the football. Uh, they rank 20, they, they're, they're averaging 22 points a game, and that factors in that they had 46 in their opener, and they're still ranked 103rd nationally in total sc in uh, scoring this year. And in terms of total offense, it's even worse as they rank, uh, in terms of total offense, they rank, where are they? I'm looking right now, bad radio, 115th nationally. Hey, very least, might be worse than the SEC, worse than Vanderbilt. But you know who's worse than South Carolina? Clemson. So at least they got that going for them. South Carolina's not very good right now. Uh, and I think this one could be interesting. I think this could be a sign that Tennessee is starting to make some moves under Josh Heupel. This is a game. You're making moves. This would be a great great one to win convincingly. Uh, let's wrap here. A couple other ones. Ohio State, 21-point favorite over Maryland. I'll be honest, it feels a little high. But shout-out to Ohio State. First time last week that they looked like the team that we thought they could look like. 52 points against Rutgers, 541 yards of total offense, 300 yards passing, 200 yards rushing, 5 yards per carry. They were moving the ball the way old Ohio State teams have. But I'll also say this as far as it pertains to Maryland. Maryland can move the ball too. We talked about them to open the show against Iowa. They were terrible. They can move the ball. 21 feels like a lot to me, uh, but we will see going forward. And I really think that's really about it in terms of intrigue for week uh, week six here. I mean, like I said, we have an absolutely loaded slate, and it's just it, it's just a great weekend, and there is so much intrigue in these games, and I am absolutely fascinated just quickly looking through. What else have I missed? Uh, what do we got here? What do we got here? I'm looking 
Florida State, 17-point underdog at North Carolina. That's kind of interesting. Feels like a lot. I think we got to all the big games. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I am going to get out of here. That is all for today's episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. As always, I appreciate your support, guys. I mean, every single week, the numbers on this show go up. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing because it feels as though uh, the word is starting to get out about this show. Last Thursday's show was the most downloaded show in the history of the podcast. We're hoping this Monday, this Thursday, we can top it. But thank you. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Google Music, whatever. Uh, make sure also to follow me on Twitter, at Aaron underscore Torres. On Instagram, when it's working right now, it's not working, at Aaron Torres Pod. Uh, and make sure that you're listening to this show and all my writing, of course, at AaronTorresOnline.com. Picks will go up Wednesday. But that is all for today's show. Thank you for listening. I will be back Thursday. Have a great weekend.